On behalf of the Center for Strategic Philanthropy at the University of Cambridge Judge Business School, uh, thank you so much for agreeing to take part uh, in this series uh, of conversations. Uh, I, for one, uh, know uh, from speaking to you and learning from you over the years that you bring a truly unique perspective uh, to so many of the pressing issues that our region uh, and the world uh, faces. So I've really been looking forward to this uh, discussion. Haifa Fahoum Al-Kailani has been a prominent advocate for the empowerment of Arab women and building of bridges between Arab countries uh, and the world for over three decades. She is also a dedicated philanthropist uh, and her charitable work has spanned a wide range of causes and organizations focused on health, uh, women and children, uh, and music and the arts. Mrs. El-Kailani is best known as the president and founder of the Arab International Women's Forum, an independent nonprofit organization founded in 2001 that works to support and enhance the role of women in the social and economic development of their own communities uh, across the Middle East region. Under her leadership, the forum uh, didn't only become a powerful voice for Arab women, but also an invaluable network that connects Arab women with like-minded counterparts in other parts of the world. An economist by training, Haif uh, Al-Kailani is a graduate of the American University of Beirut and read for a diploma in economic development at Oxford University. Outside of her work with AIWF, she has held senior roles with a wide range of academic, business, NGO, and cultural institutions, including uh, international organizations such as the ILO and the OECD, and is a regular speaker on issues related to economic development, diversity, leadership, and cross-cultural dialogue. She's a board member of the Arab-British Chamber of Commerce in London, a member of the Stimson East-West Council on Track 2 Diplomacy, and a member of the Women's Leadership Board at Harvard University. Uh, Haifal Kailani has received a remarkable number of awards over the years for her work and for her leadership, uh, and is consistently ranked amongst the most influential Arab women in the world. And in the spirit of full disclosure, I'm incredibly proud to reveal that you're also my uh, aunt, which makes this conversation extra special for me. Uh, I'd like to begin with the organization that you have been most closely associated with for over two decades now, and that is, of course, the Arab International Women's Forum. Could you please share with us how and why you established this organization in the first place and whether your vision for it has changed over time, especially regarding re recent macro themes such as climate change, digitization, and of course, technological disruption. Thank you, Bader. Such a pleasure to be with you. And allow me to commend you also on your outstanding contributions as not only a business leader, which we are very proud of in the region and globally, but as a philanthropist and indeed for being the founder of the Center for Strategic Philanthropy at Cambridge University. I, I am proud uh, in every respect and I'm honored to be with you today and thank you for inviting me. Thank you so uh, much. I, I was, uh, I was, I'm a development economist, and uh, for me, setting up the Arab International Women's Forum was really based on two key uh, principles that are all very dear to my heart. First and foremost, I believe 
I, I have always believed that there is no economic, political or social development in any community without the empowerment of women. Simply, we cannot move forward without optimizing and capitalizing on the 50% of the population. Figures don't add up. Number two, I have always also believed that the Arab world is part and parcel of the global community. And it's so important for women in the region to connect together. Of course, we are 22 Arab countries and we are diverse in the region, rich in our diversity. But it's very important for women in the region to connect together and also to connect with women in the international community. Women can be bridge builders between nations and women in the Arab world can be bridge builders and can be community builders also within their own communities. It is important for them to share knowledge and experience and build bridges of knowledge and understanding. When I started AIWF in 2001 in London, I felt at the time there was a lot of stereotyping about women in the region. And that was based mainly on ignorance. So it is through knowledge that we that understanding grows. And this is why I set up the forum. And I'm very proud of the initiative. And I was very proud to lead AIWF as its chairman for 20 years. Uh, you asked about, uh, yes, we had, this was our mission to empower women in the region in all sectors. This is why the forum is Arab International Women's Forum. We did not say, let's say business women, or we wanted women in every aspect and women to be engaged, women as homemakers, women as business leaders, women as parliamentarians, women as professionals. We wanted to empower women and give them their space and their rights in every sector. And uh, of course, when we started AIWF, we could see at the time, there were windows of opportunity opening up for women in the region thanks to the investment in education by Arab governments. We saw, we, we found that there were many educated young women, but they were not able to enter the workforce or their talents were not being recognized. So we focused on women as drivers of change. We wanted to see, as I said, more women in parliaments, more women in the business sector, more women in civil society, in the media, in academia, in every sector that they ought to, you know, to, to engage in. And then, of course, few few years onwards, we we were looking at the economic situation in the Arab region, and we found that, you know, that we have a huge levels of unemployment then and now still it remains, and we thought it is very important to focus on the role of women as engines of economic growth in the region, women's role in the economy and the private sector. Without a vibrant private sector, the Arab region will not be able to create the jobs it requires for the young, for the youth that we have, the talented youth that we have, nor will we be able to achieve sustainable economic development, peace and prosperity and security that the people of the region deserve and are waiting for. So we focus on the role of women as engines of economic growth because we could see in Europe and in the US, women were setting up very successfully small and medium-sized businesses. So why can't Arab women do the same? So that has become really our main, main focus for a number of years, because the, without, without, without a prosperous economy, we will not get stability in our region. And that's why we focused a great deal on the economy. Of course, in 2011, with the Arab Spring, we looked at our youth and we launched an outstanding initiative, I'm proud to say, um, on young women leaders, the voice of the future. 
looking at the young women that we have in our region from 20 to 40 years of age, they have graduated or about to graduate. How can we help them open doors? How can we help them with training? If they want to talk to set up to set up a business, how can we help them get the funding, get the, 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 te the technique, technology that they need? So we were very, very focused on, on, on the young women leaders. I'm very proud we held such uh, conferences and meetings for young women across the whole Middle East, as well as in London. And then, of course, as we always lead with timely issues better, we also led with on the role of women in the STEM. We see more Arab women proudly entering and studying STEM subjects uh, and, and graduating with STEM degrees. So we wanted to see how they were able to secure the rightful place in, in the workplace and in the profession. And last but not least, of course, we are well aware of, of, of the climate change and the climate challenges. And don't forget, we come from a region that, that suffers from water scarcity, uh, apart from the challenges of climate change. So we have focused on the role of women uh, uh, and we, we, we launched initiatives on women, water and use, addressing also uh, the role of women in the farming communities, the Arab region, and uh, their, their, their influence in the rural communities. And we worked with the World Bank on some of these initiatives, as well as on digital agriculture and digitizing agriculture and how women in the farming community can learn the new technologies to help them prosper. So we're very proud that of the timely initiatives that we have led with and continue to lead with, with support, of course, of our partners uh, in all sectors. Thank you so much for that uh, for that summary. I I do remember when you when you launched and established AIWF, um, and it's been truly inspiring to see it thrive uh, and bloom, and to see the impact uh, really uh, incredibly. Uh, you know, generated across all the various programs and initiatives that, that, that you've been running. Uh, so thank you so much for that. On, on the subject of um, education, in 2017, uh, you accepted a year-long uh, fellowship uh, from the Advanced Leadership Initiative at Harvard uh, University. And, and one of the outcomes of this, of this experience was a social enterprise named Hasil, which you've been piloting. Could you tell us about uh, this enterprise, what the idea behind it is, how you uh, set about launching it and, and what's next for the initiative? Thank you very much, Bedel. I was really proud and honored to join uh, the Harvard Advanced Leadership Initiative in 2017 as a fellow. And this was a great opportunity for me to focus as a development economist on economic security, water security, food security, key challenges for our region. And I developed a project that addresses um, these challenges through uh, an, an, innovative, an innovative model for sustainable agriculture in the MENA region. And my project was, I called my project, Plowing New Ground, Sustainable Agriculture in the MENA region. And I chose to pilot the project in Jordan. Why Jordan? Because Jordan is the second poorest country in the world in terms of water resources. And not to mention, with the influx of the refugees, as we have seen in Jordan, uh, they, we have depleted, Jordan has depleted the underground water reserves. So it was, it's very important to, address, to, to start that project in the country that needs it most and to see how we can you know, pilot that project. So I was very proud at the completion of my um, 
my fellowship. Uh, actually, while I was completing the fellowship, I went to Washington, D.C. I met the World Bank. I introduced my project that I was presenting to Harvard, and I secured the support of the World Bank, as well as a grant to start the pilot. So 2018, I was in Jordan, January, immediately after graduation, so-called, and I was very happy to set up Hasil. I wanted to start Hasil as a social enterprise because this was something that I also learned a great deal more at Harvard. But unfortunately, we, we do not have as yet a law in Jordan and in many Arab countries better where you can set up a social enterprise where you create a business that is there to make a difference and impact social change. But at the same time, it is profitable. The only choices we had was either set up as a not-for-profit or a profit. So I set up an NGO called Hasil. Hasil means harvest, as you know, in Arabic for sustainable agriculture. And I'm very proud that the project and the, the program and the pilot received a tremendous support from all stakeholders I met in Jordan. All the ministries that are relevant, Ministry of Water, Ministry of Agriculture, Social Development, International Cooperation, uh, the, the farming community, the private sector, chambers of commerce, everybody was excited. So what was the project about? The project was about introducing new, new old technology into the oldest industry in the world, which is farming. I wanted to, to my project was going to, to cover one hectare of a farm of one hectare. We will divide the land in three areas, one third traditional agriculture, so we, the farmer can carry on doing what he's used to doing while we are training him into low-tech hydroponics and, and high-tech hydroponics. Uh, we were, we were, my project was going to be producing high-yield fruits and vegetables, uh, which we can do 12 months a year with this, using this technology, saving 70% water, at the same time creating jobs for women who work in the farms, men, the youth, and the refugees who are in Jordan, as we know, and importantly, opening new markets, whether local, regional, or global markets for the produce, enlivening that sector. What was special about the project was two, two key things, I, I will say. Number one, training not only our farmers, but we wanted to create a center on the farm to create, to help training for the farming community where we were initiating the project. Secondly, I found that the youth got excited about this project because for them it was entrepreneurial and also it had technology because otherwise we, we were finding in our region and in Jordan that the youth were not interested anymore in agriculture. They wanted to move to the cities, to the urban areas. Hasil and the model that they, I was piloting, you know, launching in Jordan had attracted their imagination. And we were also going to open the farm for university students, for schools, for, for, for visits by private sector, by you know, women's associate, associations and others to get people excited and to show them that it is affordable to invest in agriculture because our project was small, affordable, replicable, scalable, and doable. So I, I think this was the key thing and I'm very proud to say that we, of course there was a delay in moving forward with the project because of the pandemic, as we're aware, as many things got delayed in the world. But I'm very happy to, to share with you better and that today the, the, there are two projects being uh, implemented as we speak. 
in Jordan, one in Al-Tafili region and one in Al-Karak by the Ministry of Agriculture based on the pilot that I launched with the help and the support of the World Bank. And I'm very proud as founder and director of Hasil to have been asked by the World Bank to be a senior strategic advisor to both projects. So I'm thrilled about it. Things are happening. It took time, but things are happening. And I'm very excited to see to see it getting replicated, not only in Jordan, Jordan needs more of these projects, but certainly in other, in other countries in the region. That's fantastic. And I particularly love the scalable um, uh, reality of projects of this nature. And, and I know it has taken some time, but, but these projects do take time. And I want to, to uh, touch on that because uh, in many of the initiatives that you continue to spearhead, you seem to have a great ability to bring together uh, nonprofits, businesses, governments, and uh, other stakeholders, and to get them working together uh, towards uh, shared goals. How important are these kind of multi-sector partnerships in what you do? Uh, and what do you think the key features are to make them successful? I mean, I, I for one know uh, how complex uh, it is to create meaningful partnerships that stand the test of time. Uh, so we would love your thoughts on this. Thank you, Beder. Uh, from the beginning, I really, truly believe that you only succeed by working together. That has been one of my mottos. You cannot succeed by working alone, simply. And in setting up the Arab International Women's Forum, of course, I'm proud to be the founder. I, proud, I was proud to really to, be, to have the initial vision for, for the AIWF but I couldn't have done it on my own. I am grateful up to now and always for the founder board members who shared my vision, who shared you know, my, my mission and we worked hand in hand together. And then of course, after 10 years to the current board member who joined uh, who, who, you know, to the current board, uh, both men and women. So you need, you need partners and you need uh, mem board members to to join you and you need uh, the partners is, is not only the private sector private sector is very important when you are setting up a not-for-profit because you, you you need the funding and and funding provides you the ability to carry on with your programs and maintain and enhance your programs and and become more impactful but importantly we needed also government support because we we were aiwf was not only a convener AIWF has been always a convener, a catalyst, and an advocate for women's rights. So all our reports were presented to governments. So how can we present to them our reports to, after the end of our meetings if they are not present in the meetings themselves? Every conference we had, every meeting had at least three, four, if not more, cabinet members, not only from the Arab region, uh, internationally as well as, of course, private sector, civil society, the media, universities, students themselves. So you can only do it with all these stakeholders and it's extremely important. Uh, this, and, it, what, what, and, and the, one of the key ingredients for success, better you ask that question, is because we all share the same objective and we are all committed to achieving that impact that we want to see happen in the region of the empowerment of women, the job creation, the empowerment of our youth, better future opportunities. We want to see equality of opportunity in the region for our young men and young women. And so 
we share these objectives all together when you work with, with, these, with all these outstanding partners. And allow me to add, uh, one is always so grateful for the global institutional partners like the World Bank, the EBRD, you mentioned the OECD, the ILO, uh, the UN organizations. We work with them consistently on all our programs and we learn from them, we benefit from them because also they have a huge impact uh, affecting all policies in, in the world and all uh, you know, strategies. So it's important that they get aligned. And of course, we carried a mission to empower women, empower youth, help to create prosperity, stability, and they were all supporting us. And not only, not, I'm not talking about funding, I'm talking about their ideas and their input and their, uh, their presence with us in all these functions. The same with Hasil. I, I, I could not have done what I have done without the amazing support and uh, not only uh, starting with, with my Harvard professors and uh, who were very supportive and my fellow fellows, but also uh, in Jordan itself. When I arrived in January, really, I had the support and interest from the highest sources all the way to the farming, farming communities where I was proud to visit across the country as well as all the government ministers, as I said, private sector, uh, the media, where everybody. So it is bringing them all together and learning from them and amending and adopting and adapting the project, the pilot, as I learned, because I, it was a learning experience to, to get it right. So without it, no way anybody can succeed. You bring a, a wide variety of perspectives to your work um, as an Arab, uh, a woman, uh, as the leader of a prominent global organization, and also as a trained economist. As we look at the many social and uh, economic issues facing Arab countries uh, and Arab youth in particular, um, I'd like to ask you about the role that you think strategic philanthropists can play to help address some of these challenges. There obviously is a major role for governments, as you said, and I'd like to think people increasingly understand the important role that businesses play. But I'm also interested in how you think about the role of philanthropists in helping to address some of the region's most pressing social, economic, and of course, environmental uh, challenges. Uh, better, as you are well aware, philanthropy is in our hearts, uh, in our culture in the, in the Arab region. Uh, so philanthropy is very is an intrinsic part of, of really of our upbringing, of our culture, of our ethos. And I am very proud of, of how we see uh, the, high, the young high net worth individuals and net worth, high net worth individuals in general in the region now embarking not only on the, on the usual charitable, though important, giving that they used to and their parents used to, they are coming to effect change with their, with, with, their, with their charitable giving. I call it now strategic impact giving. They, they have ideas, they see the problems that our communities are facing, whether it's to do with the environment or whether it is lack of opportunities, lack of jobs, lack of education. They are looking at the issues and they want to come in with projects that they can see, that they can address these, these social challenges. And they don't want to put a band-aid approach. They don't want to do a quick approach. They want a long-term sustainable approach. And I think this is very important. And, and also, this way, it, there is 
transparency along the way. There's accountability. They can measure the impact as they are proceeding with their giving. And we're seeing a lot of that now. And this is really heartwarming. And, and, uh, and it brings, a, it is still in its early stages in the region to take, to take it from you know, the usual philanthropy into impact, strategic philanthropy, but it's happening as we speak. And you mentioned, of course, our most important stakeholder being uh, our youth. Uh, what advice would you give to, to youth um, in the Arab world and beyond uh, that might be thinking about founding their own nonprofit ventures? What, what are some of the things that they should think about when identifying and pursuing their uh, purpose? Uh, if they want to uh, enjoy the kind of longevity and impact that you have had with the likes of AIWF? Uh, this is a very important question. Our youth are, 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 are the future of the region and uh, they have outstanding ideas and thoughts about the, the social changes and the other changes that they want to see happen in their communities, in their countries. And so they should be fully encouraged to embark on setting up their NGOs uh, or social enterprises. I hope we will see more facility with introducing that law in the region so they can set up their social enterprises or NGOs. Um, what advice I will give them? They have, of course, to have a vision and a mission and they have to understand exactly what they want to achieve. It's important to identify clearly for themselves uh, what they want to achieve and to be convinced themselves of, of, of what they are undertaking and to, to be knowledgeable about it. Because if you're not convinced yourself, you cannot convince others. If you go to seek, to, if you go to seek funding or support for any of your projects, no matter how wonderful they are, and if you're not able to convince that party, why is your project X better than project Y that he has on his table, he's studying it, you have to be able to have to have ticked everything to do with with your project. So studying, research, being ready before you launch is extremely important. I will so, not belittle that. And then, of course, you need to get the right partners to come on board. Whether you are working with colleagues or you are forming a small board, whatever it is, you need to work to bring others. And all the time, it's important to take matters step by step. Assure a certain level of success and then move forward. Do not attempt to do too much at the beginning. I, I am a great believer in the step-by-step -step approach. Secure and move forward. Secure, get a momentum, bring more friends on board, more stakeholders, more supporters, let the project become more known and then move forward. And last but not least, I always believe it, a good story must be told. If you've done something good, you must talk about it. And now we have social media, communication, not just the usual media that we know. So if you have done a good story, tell it. Let others learn from it. Let others come to help you with it. Let others bring you some additional information that you'll find is so important for you to carry on further with your project. So it's important, a good story must be told. And on that note, thank you so very much, uh, dearest uh, Aunt Hefa, for all your hugely helpful insights and for taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, I can't wait to see you again soon, uh, inshallah. Thank you, Beda. I was honored and, and it was a real joy to see you today. 
And thank you again for the invitation.